Welcome to Can I Kick It? This is a podcast about film festivals. My name is Jesse Weber, and I'm joined by... Andy Gramuga. Colin Ashley. Emilio Diaz. Alright, our main topic today is going to be the full lineup of the Berlin Film Festival, but before we get to that, we've got a couple other pieces uh, to talk about. First, we want to go over the winners from the Sundance Film Festival. They have the gold. Colin, would you like to introduce this since you've kept track of all our predictions? Alright, yes. So, um, I don't have the winners for all the categories on hand. Just jury and audience, if you can believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but our predictions, I, I do have. So, Andy, of course, went with 40-year-old version as a double winner. Which, <laughs> points for trying, because there was a double winner. Um, Emilio went with Never Rarely, Sometimes Always winning jury and Nine Days winning audience. Jesse went with uh, Never Rarely, Sometimes Always as well winning jury, but Palm Springs winning audience. And I went with Save Yourselves winning jury and Shirley winning audience with runners up as Minari winning jury (laughs) and Zola winning audience. So technically I am the most correct with having correctly predicted the jury winner as a runner up. I just as a point of order, I think at some point I said like, oh Minari's on the board now, maybe I'll take that, and then you just didn't write it down. So, you know, I threw out Minari as well. But um but congrats to Minari, which seems like an excellent movie. Uh and I am excited to see it at some point in the near future. Yeah, I mean A twenty four has it, it has no date, but uh ought to be up yeah you know they might they, save they, it for the fall i guess if they think it's a big oscar player or they might go with the summer release like the farewell last year right but they do they do tend to release their movies which is you know yes to give myself a little bit of credit my predicted winner for the uh, jury award did receive a special award from the jury for achievement in neorealism. Uh, yeah, I thought that's another, what we were predicting. Uh, My bad. I'm going to say yeah. I was 100% correct about everything I said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really I thought... Believe, I, uh, uh, I believe I really... Andy uh, suggested that this might be some Ethan Hawke bullshit. <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I think it's really shocking that Nine Days didn't pick up any achievements in neorealism. Um, uh, yeah, it really does seem like the sort of thing where it was like, you know, the thing I really liked about that movie was how neorealist it was. It's not really a thought that most people have, but Ethan Hawke was on the jury, and he does seem like the sort of guy who would have that thought about, like, that's what I appreciate about that movie, was the elements of neorealism that were incorporated into it. Um, either that, or by, they were just by like, that kind oh, of guy, you mean Defenders of True Cinema, right? Yeah, the sure. best guy ever. <laughs> Unimpeachable in every regard. <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, yeah, the other theory that I would have would be like, oh, we really liked this movie, and we need to, we should give it an award. We're out of awards. What genre is it? And then there they from there. That's how things <laughs> right. play out. I should say that I also correctly predicted in a group DM. Uh, what would win documentary almost minutes before it was announced that Boys State won. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That did happen. 
Let's see, the 40-year-old version did win the, uh, the director award from the jury. Sure. And then the, uh, the Waldo Salt screenwriting award went to nine days. And another special award was the special jury award for auteur filmmaking, which went to Shirley. Oh, I was thinking it went to Timmy Failure. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about mistakes mistakes being made. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Tom McCarthy is, uh, of course, an auteur. Yes. Uh, Timmy Failure on multiple fronts. Yes. As a follow-up to our previous Timmy Failure conversation, I want to say I did watch the trailer, which Disney Plus has put out, because it's a Disney Plus original movie. I don't know if we ever mentioned that. And it does appear that the polar bear just roars and does not talk. So unfortunately, none of those uh, delightful character actors are voicing the polar bear, it seems. That is we roaring know not a form of talking? I don't think it is. I, well, I, yeah, I mean, I guess... Uh, Doolittle might have some different thoughts about that, but uh, I've never been able to understand a roar. Uh, There is one other award for the uh, dramatic competition, which was the uh, special jury award for ensemble cast, which went to Charm City Kings. Which Which I think uh, you're, yeah, you mentioned being excited about, right, Emilio? Yeah, it seems good. I I like that Meek Mill is in it. I like people riding motorcycles. uh, Shout out to that award uh, goes to him since it's an ensemble award. Yeah, shout out to Meek Mill. He finally yeah. won that Drake beef. Tiana Paris is also in it, who I quite like. Wonderful in uh, if Beale Street could talk and Chirac. In the upcoming photograph. Mm. Look at that photograph. Yeah. Chad Kroger who? It's Stella Makey's world now. Yeah, uh, one more thing. <laughs> the uh, the winner of the uh, the Grand Jury Prize for the uh, um, document, the World Cinema Documentary category was uh, Hubert Sauper's Epicentro, uh, which is a movie that he shot in Cuba that I think was... Uh, like about like children kind of running around in Cuba but there was some drama on that jury because uh Eric Hines programmer at the Museum of the Moving Image uh tweeted that as he was on stage presenting that award he was uh holding back terrible stomach pain and shortly afterwards had his appendix removed so uh Best wishes to Eric Hines for his recovery. Absolutely. Uh, I don't have the title off my, uh, offhand right now. There's the documentary. You may have said it already, and I just didn't hear you, that you mentioned last week. Jesse um, being interested in that I thought was given some special acknowledgement as well. Is that um, Time? Yes, yes. Yeah, Time won. Did it win... Director, director, I yeah, believe. Director. Yeah. It's hard to control F time. Yes, it won the directing award uh, for the U.S. documentary competition. So that went to uh, Garrett Bradley, the director. Heard a lot of good things about yes. that documentary after last mm-hmm. week. And did someone pick it up? There's not been a ton of uh, acquisition news. Uh, the 40-year-old virgin version 
keep having to make sure I'm saying that correctly. Uh, the 40-year-old version was uh, acquired or is about to be acquired by Netflix as we're speaking. Uh, and there was also news that the the deal for, um, for Palm for... Springs, which was uh, already record-breaking, has some like bonuses in it that could get it up even higher to like 22 million that have something to do with streaming. We all love some, streaming. Some Hulu shenanigans in there. Yeah. Um, any other Sundance thoughts? Uh, I don't think so. We will uh, keep everyone updated on acquisitions as they happen. I'm certainly still waiting for uh news on uh, Shirley and the Nest yeah. and there's a ton of other movies out there that uh, there is, distributors uh, should be picking up there is one Sundance movie we can talk about that ties into our predictions from the previous week of which movie I would like more between Rhythm Section and Telluride and Sundance show up The Assistant uh, Jesse, of course, said that Rhythm Section looked like a Cullen movie <laughs> and <laughs> predi predicted I would like it more. And Emilio said that he was into the trailer, but he and Andy all uh, both decided that I would like The Assistant more, which is correct. The Assistant rules. I don't know why more people aren't talking about it. I guess it <laughs> is only in limited release right now, but I feel like out of festivals, usually get a lot of hype. This movie rules. <laughs> It's uh, currently my number one movie of the year, which might not sound impressive that I've only seen four movies this year, but this as a number one, I think, is not something that I would be ashamed of having as a number one or in my top ten at the end of the year. It's very, very good. Julie Garner puts on a fucking clinic. Uh, Kitty Green, I want to see. She did that John Bonet movie I never saw. It's supposed to be great also. This movie rules. Can't is it like... Enough. Is it like a tough sit? Like I, I the, the subject matter seems like it might be challenging. It it's a tough sit, and that it's very frustrating once like um, it starts getting into like her trying to push back in the slightest way, and like instantly being shut down or like told like don't you want to work here still? And it's like mm -hmm. God, this just sucks so bad to watch. But for the most part, it's just like a creeping sense of dread and coldness in a way that reminded me of my beloved fox catcher um <laughs> but i think it's just what a sell yeah um but it's just like a very good or like an excellent performance of just sitting and like stewing but trying to like maintain composure and there's a scene between julia garner and uh, matthew mcfadden and it's incredible. Uh, can't say enough good things about this movie. I really am just super, super into it. All right. I will. Uh, I might try and go double feature it this weekend with Color Out of Space. Yeah, I think I. I, I don't think it comes to my neck of the woods uh, for another week or two, uh, but I will definitely make it a priority once it. Uh, once yep. it does. So, uh, next, uh, a slightly smaller but still pretty big uh, uh, European festival that was happening around the same time as Sundance was the uh, International Film Festival of Rotterdam, 
And so uh, a lot of those movies are smaller. They may not get as much attention until they kind of expand further, play other festivals. We'll kind of see what the breakouts might be. Uh, There were things like uh, Horse Money played there, which actually also played at Sundance. I missed it in our discussion uh, of Sundance because it was playing the New Frontier section. That's actually a movie that I've seen. Uh, that I saw at Toronto, directed by Pedro Costa, uh, and that's a, a, it's a Portuguese movie about a woman who uh, goes back to Portugal went from, uh, I can't remember where she was living, uh, I was very tired when I saw this movie, uh, it was on the first day and I saw it after traveling for about 24 hours and then seeing two other movies and then this was at about 9 p.m. as I was desperate to get to the Airbnb and get to sleep. Uh, but yeah, it's it's extremely visually striking. Uh, narratively, it was not necessarily uh, uh, the right movie for that time. I will be curious to give it another shot as it has been raved across the board. It uh, at Locarno, I I believe it won the Golden Leopard. Uh, I know that the lead actress. Did I say that this movie was Horse Money? Yes. Horse Money is uh, Pedro Costa's previous yeah. movie. Uh, this movie is Vitalina Varela, okay. which is uh, who is a character in Horse Money. And also the name of the actress, uh, and so it's ki- it is, in some ways, a spin-off of Horse Money. Uh, but I, uh, Vitalina Varela, the actress, also won uh, Best Actress at Locarno last year. Uh, and then you know the uh, the black and white version of Parasite also premiered at Rotterdam that won the audience award wow but <laughs> we are going to talk about the winner of the tiger which is their top most prestigious prize uh until a few years ago it was uh awarded to three different films uh winners of that included uh Hong Sang Soo for the day a pig fell into the well Kelly Reichardt for Old Joy, Christopher Nolan for Following, but uh, it's now awarded to a single movie, and it was awarded to a movie that I do not remember the name of. The Cloud in Her Room. Yes. By Jing Lu Jinwan. Yes. And uh, once we saw that news, uh, I noticed that her previous short film, this is her feature debut, was uh, streaming, and so we have all watched that. Uh, and yeah, what does everyone think of it? Uh, I'm a fan of it. I, I like, you know, a, a little bit of fragmented memories, mm-hmm. like portrait of kind of a relationship, kind of playing with like reality, just mm-hmm. speaking into the camera with it, you know. One could make, like, the superficial com- comparison to somebody like Wong Kar Wai. Uh, there's a little bit of Be Gone in it. It's Kylie Blues. There's a little bit of... There's another person who it was reminding me of. 
that is not Asian I... that I could try and make a comparison <laughs> to to not seem like I'm just pigeonholing the movie. But I don't know. It reminded me of a variety of things. Oh, I mean, the souvenir. There's a little bit of the souvenir in there. Mm, also. Oh, sure. I can see that. Yeah. I mean, the way it's structured, from what I could tell, the first half of it seems to be from the point of view, literally, of a uh, a European man who is uh, he is literally the camera person, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, people, yeah, talk then, to the camera and stuff. Yeah, people talk to the camera. He seems to be filming uh, a woman who he's in some sort of relationship with, though he suggests that they may be strangers as well. So that first half of it is very as subjective and first person as you can get, and then it switches to the third person about halfway through. So yeah, I thought that the way it uh, was dealing with perspective and subjectivity was really interesting. It certainly is very oblique in a way that might be more frustrating over the length of a feature. I'll be curious to see what this feature looks like. Uh, I I don't it. I would imagine it might be at Toronto this year. It's something I'll keep an eye out for. I think it definitely is very visually striking. Yes. And also we... the the always interesting, I mean, probably for obvious reasons choice, the uh the like the still before you press play on the short is like from the final shot, but it is, you know, mm-hmm. two naked bodies on top of each other. Um Yeah. It, uh, yeah, I think that she's she's really good at, at shooting bodies in a way that reminds me of uh of Claire Denis, particularly uh, Trouble Every Day. Yeah, there's a good um there the it's like sort of uh parallel images from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie about when this lead person last cried um mm-hmm. the camera operator's name is uh Matthias Delvo and uh he he also shot uh cloud in her room oh that's um, interesting but yeah the uh there's the scene in the middle of the short um, where they go uh, it's the main actress uh, they go she goes to like a restaurant with another uh, person and they're talking about like mm-hmm. this strange man and that was like I, wa- I watched the short twice and I still found it like not too dense but like I was still kind of uh, thrown off by that like one chunk because there's like mm-hmm. spliced in footage of like Sony like DV cam footage of right the our camera operator like filming just a big group of people and then like taking pictures with them mm-hmm. um cuz i guess the official description on was it nowness was the website that the shorts yeah, available that on that is yes uh, i'll i'll tweet out a link to it that uh the lead is a documentarian uh, the lead male rather and the lead female is an actress within the context of the short, but then it seems to break, you know, not the fourth wall, but I mean, it's like you don't know what is the movie, what is not right. a movie. <laughs> like, yes, it really right. is uh, formally interesting and like uh, beguiling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I'm excited to see this new feature. Uh, yes. The it's the 
third Chinese language movie in a row to win the tiger at Rotterdam. Uh, last year, a movie called uh, Present Dot Perfect One, which was a documentary that I remember hearing good things about. And then there's a movie called The Widowed Witch from the year before. And uh, I should say also there's um, a lot of people on the jury at Rotterdam who I wasn't very familiar with. But uh, one notable person is Koganada, which is interesting because uh, I believe, mm-hmm. or no, uh, I thought, he, yeah, but uh, he did Columbus and he's got his new movie after Yang coming out this year, hopefully. Um, yep. Yeah, we mentioned that on our 2020 preview. So, yeah, I think we're now going to move into our main topic of Berlin. And we're going to start that off by discussing the jury, which as we are recording on Tuesday, was just announced earlier this morning. So uh, we already knew that the president, as we discussed last episode, would be uh, Jeremy Irons. And we now have the rest of the jury. So that is Berenice Bejo, Bettina Brokemper, Anne-Marie Jassir, Kenneth Lonergan, Luca Marinelli, and Claiborne Mendoza Filio. So yeah, I can start by saying the two who I had never heard of, uh, Bettina Brokemper is a producer. She's produced uh, Lars von Trier's last few movies, and then Anne-Marie Jassier is a Palestinian filmmaker. See, seems like a interesting group of people. I mm-hmm. like them. Yep, I'm certainly always excited to hear anything that Kenneth Lonergan is up to uh, I only can say that uh, I think he's perhaps uh, uh, more deserving of being the president than Jeremy Irons wow. shots fired <laughs> <laughs> I will say uh, I, didn't, I didn't mention this last week because I knew we were going to talk about Jeremy Irons before I think when he was first announced I thought oh that's that's kind of fun but then uh, when uh, Ken and Venice came out with uh, uh, Spike, Spike Lee, Lee and Kate Blanchett, 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 I kind of thought, well, not quite <laughs> up to perhaps uh, that caliber. You know, in, previ- uh, in the last few years, I think uh, the Berlin jury has been headed by uh, like Juliette Binoche and Meryl Streep, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Jeremy Irons is a a good actor, but he's, especially before Watchmen, hadn't been up to a ton of interest in a while. He also, I think, has had, has said some uh, unfortunate things about gay people. Oh, boy. Yeah, I think yeah. he has, yeah, not ideal politics. Mm-hmm. But he was in Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice, so he does know Assassin's Superman. Creed. Assassin's yes. yes, we're going to start a war. Red Sparrow. That's what he says in that movie. Wait, what movie does he say that in? Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice, I believe. <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> it's in the trailer. That's the only reason I remember it. I don't remember it because of the movie. Um. You don't watch it every day the movies five to... times. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> to go to sleep. Yes. yes. <laughs> um. Is that yeah, Snyder uh, cut tattoo finally healed. 
<laughs> okay, I will not know. I will stand for none of this. Batman v Superman is a terrible movie, and Zack Snyder uh, does not make movies to my taste. Um, yeah, I, the it looks like um, has Kenneth Lonergan ever been on a film jury before that we that you know of? Not that I know of. Uh, I don't think he's done Canner Venice. Yeah, he'd have done Sundance at some point. He, yeah, I mean, he sort of does seem like he doesn't want to be bothered about that sort of thing. So I think it's interesting that <laughs> yeah. he is doing it. Well, he's um, been um, he's been doing that DGA podcast like a lot lately. He did it for Pain and Glory and Uncut Gems. Oh, so. that's true. Kenny's out there. Sure. Kenny's making it happen. No. Yeah. His um, the uh, headshot of him that they include is uh, very uh, appropriate, I would say, in his uh, expression uh, as to capturing the sort of things he does. Um. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, Luca Marinelli, in case anyone doesn't know, was the star of uh, um, Martin Eden last year, okay. and I believe he won the Best Actor Prize at Venice for that. Uh, Berenice Bejo, the star, co-star of The Artist, uh, has worked with uh, Michael Hasnavisius several other times, I think. Uh, Lonergan obviously directed Margaret, the best movie of the previous decade, as well as You Can Count on Me and Manchester, Manchester by the, by the sea. sea. And Claver Mendonça-Filio is the director of uh, Baccarat, which was in mm. competition at Cannes last year, as well as Aquarius, starring Sonia Braga in a really excellent performance, and Neighboring Sounds. I believe Buckrow was also at Rotterdam this year, so. Uh, yeah, they do. Uh, Older. Yeah, they'll play stuff from the previous year. It also. Did it not win? Did Buckrow not win something at Cannes? It may have won the jury prize. It won. It did win the jury prize, so it does know okay. from a jury. All right, so. Now, if we let's get into the movies. Uh, we're gonna start off by just going through the uh, competition. Uh, we're just gonna go over everything in uh, alphabetical order. We will certainly have more things to say about some than others. Uh, but we're gonna start off with uh, Berlin Alexanderplatz, which is a readaptation of a uh, novel that was adapted by Rainier Werner Fassbinder in the 80s, one of his last movies, or movie perhaps in scare quotes. It was released theatrically in some places, also released on television in some places. It is, uh, I believe, 14 and a half hours long. This is not Though we don't have uh, times for the films yet, those will probably be out uh, next week when the full program is released. Uh, but yeah, his previous film, which I believe his first film, uh, the director is named uh, Burhan Kurbani. He's a, a German director. Uh, his previous film was called We Are Young, We Are Strong. Uh, those are two sentences. They each have a period. They comprise the title. And <laughs> it's about uh, German anti-immigrant riots in 1992. 
So yeah, I mean, I I watched a little bit of Berlin Alexander Platz a few weeks ago and decided it was a bad entry point for Fassbinder, but uh, it sounds like uh, he may have uh, changed the story around a little bit uh, in the film and I assume the novel the uh, lead character is being uh, released from prison after four years uh, the first sentence of the plot synopsis and I'm getting these off of uh, Mubi's post of MUBI the uh, streaming site and uh, you, you know they've got their notebook uh, They've got a list of all the films that are going to be showing at Berlin, and they've got uh, nice plot summaries for some of them. Uh, I'll put that as well. I'll try and fit that in the description, if not tweet it out. Uh, but uh, this, the plot synopsis for uh, this new adaptation of Berlin Alexanderplatz starts with the lead character escaping from Africa. So, uh and escaping to Berlin, where the story takes place. Uh, so, we will see. That sounds interesting. It certainly is, uh, an ambitious project. Uh, mm. yeah, and speaking of, of ambitious projects, we've got <laughs> Dow Natasha, uh, directed by Ilya Kurzanovsky. <laughs> Kurzanovsky, I feel good about that, and uh, Jekaterina Ortel. Uh, Kurzanovsky uh, previously directed the film Four, uh, which came out in like the mid two thousands. That's a movie that I watched half of last night, uh, in which a uh, what is it? A a piano tuner, a meat packer and a prostitute meet in a bar they all lie about their professions to each other and then they all go off their own ways uh i think the the opening of that film is really uh really striking uh but yeah uh that movie apparently was originally conceived of as a short and then after shooting it, he decided, oh, no, this is actually 126 minutes. Dow was originally conceived of as a biopic of the uh, Russian physicist Lev Landau and has turned into a enormous project that started shooting in 2008. It shot for, like, three years. It... He essentially built this whole institute and, uh, like, village surrounding it, which was populated by people actually, like, doing the jobs required, uh, and it's turned into, like, uh, it was, it was last year in Paris released as a museum installation, this uh, piece of it, Down Natasha, is a feature film uh, that is comprising just a part of it. There is another part uh, that is called Dow uh, Degeneration, which has a different co-director that's playing in the Berlin Nile special section. 
uh, yeah, this sounds wild. Uh, there's voiceover by famous actors like, uh, Willem Dafoe, Gerard Depardieu, and Charlotte Rampling, uh, People like uh, performance artist Marina Abramovic and physicist Carlo Rivelli were on set at some point, though who knows what pieces of this project they might be in. Uh, yeah, it sounds um, like it was a wild production. He also tried to, back in 2018, build a replica of the Berlin Wall as part of the, uh, like, as part of the exhibit. Uh, in Berlin around like a tourist trap area of like their famous architecture which Berlin <laughs> nixed and he was not able to do it <laughs> telling me they didn't want a, another one of those a little, yeah. a little hesitant to say yes to that project but hey he's here now so yeah he sounds like uh, perhaps uh, a little bit of a control freak uh, there were some uh, reports of possibly abusive behavior on set by him. He also, at some point, towards the end of the film, the Institute is destroyed, and he apparently brought in Russian neo-Nazis to actually destroy the set. Mm. Yeah, sounds not great. Yeah. Sounds like a... Sounds like a whole lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, and yeah, like I don't know. There, there. I guess yeah. The idea of movie that also can be museum installation is not a new one, right? Mm-hmm. There was like that Kate Blanchett sure. thing a few years ago. Yeah, manifesto, which I saw the installation of a few weeks ago, which is uh, yeah. I mean, that's just uh, a series of monologues by Blanchett. Uh, wasn't River of Fundament something similar? Yeah, I think so. The Matthew Barney film. He's someone who's worked certainly in both the museum, the the gallery space, and the uh, film the feature film space. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, and, so yeah. Both, both those things seem a little different than this guy seemingly <laughs> trying to connect the key New York. Yes. The whole thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I. Yeah. I. I do think. Yeah. I. I certainly having slightly more experience in like the theater world like site specific performances are like a sort of an interesting uh, area of um of of that where there's a lot of innovation tends to happen mm-hmm. so you know it's even if it's like there's a lot of problems with this one i think very often those sorts of things these sort these sorts of pieces are the things that can introduce can bring something new to like the world of film um, mm-hmm. and, and and maybe we'll start to see them integrated into things that are more successful and uh, accessible. Um, or maybe this is this is uh, you know, maybe this is the thing. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, I'm certainly very curious about it. Next, we've got uh, the woman who ran. This is directed by Hong Sang Su, who took a whole year off of making movies, uh, reportedly due to health issues. Uh, but he's back. Thank Is he making God. a movie about my love life? Am I right? <laughs> I Am I right? How dare you? <laughs> She's running. You were dating Jackie Joyner Kersey, right? <laughs> we don't talk about that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
You like Hong, right, Colin? Can uh, you talk about him? I love Hong. Mm. Hong is my dude. This has got Kim and he in it, and she's also my dude. I cannot wait to see this. Love Does he Hong. have like a like a like a thematic preoccupation that like runs across his movies? Uh, relationships, I would say, yeah. <laughs> like uh, um, conversation. So very yes. Um, Soju is prevalent in all of the movies of his that I've seen. Uh, I've I've not seen obviously all of them. Uh, I've mm-hmm. seen Grass from last year or from the year before last, rather. Um, mm-hmm. Was released in the U.S. last year. Sure. Um, I've seen. Right Now, Wrong Then, which is one of the best movies ever. It's in my top three of the decade from last year. Or from last year, from last decade. Uh, it's a 2016 U.S. release, I believe. Uh, yeah. On the Beach at Night Alone. These are all Kim and he cross Hong Sang-soo films. Yeah, she's uh, been also in great. just about all of his movies since starting with uh, Right Now, right Wrong now, Then. Yeah. Um, and there's a whole thing uh, behind the scenes of them getting together. Um, that is sort yeah. of dealt him. with a bit and on yeah. the uh, on the beach at night alone. Yes, um, yeah, him leaving his wife for her. I believe um, it was big uh, Korean gossip fodder. The, uh, but uh, he just has a way of filming people and getting. I mean, it, it makes the case for Kim, and he is like one of the actors of a generation, like. Her work of just like shifting facial expressions is so mm-hmm. well done in uh, Right Now Wrong Then, especially. There's scenes where you just see like the like any amount of happiness that she could have had in her life drop out of her just by a shifting facial expression. And then Hong Sing Soo does these like long zooms that are mm-hmm. just, I pump my fist and clap every time they happen. <laughs> uh, Claire's camera was the one he did with uh, Isabelle Huppert. And Kim mm-hmm. and he shot at Can. It's like seventy minutes long. Um, yeah, that might be like a fun entry point. Like yeah, they, it is. they is like, I, I want to see like every director make like their Isabelle Huppert Kim and he buddy movie. Yeah, it's a little uh, beguiling. There's like theories on the internet about. Like uh, time travel in the movie, it's a really uh, interesting movie for being so sort of not austere, but it's just like very straightforward in a way. But also, you're able to extrapolate so much of like how is this happening, what is happening. All of these movies that he makes have this sort of supernatural like lilt to them, to mm-hmm. where like um, the movie The Day He Arrives, it's yeah. basically the same day but happens four different times in like four different ways right now wrong then it's like a date happens and then halfway through the movie it stops because it like goes poorly and then it starts over and goes differently on the beach at night alone also has some sort of shifting temporalities in a way all mm-hmm. of it, it's just all very very fascinating stuff every movie of his that i've seen i've like gotten a lot gotten a lot out of grass was the most recent one i saw yeah and like that one is quite literally just people talking for like 80 minutes and mm-hmm. uh it's very great yeah i quite like grass grass has a conceit where like uh kim and he's character is a writer and at points we wonder whether 
the the actions of the other characters are if she is writing them after they have happened or if her writing them is influencing the events uh, yes. i think that's a really fascinating one because you sort of see like similar events happen at different times like he'll see something happen and then it also happens later on in the movie it's it's very right. fascinating yeah he's not made a movie that i would ever call boring yes uh, I got a little bored by uh, Hotel by the River, but that 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 I saw that in a double feature with Grass, and I think I was just a little sleepy by the end. But yeah, perhaps very that excited would have been, Perhaps that would have been served well to be played in the opposite order, so that the little short, more sprightly one came second. I believe. And, um, uh, oh, go ahead. No, you have something to say. I have a question. I was going to say, I just, I believe in our 2020 preview, I said that it was likely Hong Sang Soo would make a movie and that it would be on my list, and here it is. <laughs> Great. Do his movies tend to get, uh, like, good U.S. releases? They've cut, they've been uh, released by largely by uh, the Cinema Guild, who they put stuff out in New York, and then it kind of plays at, like, different festivals. There's a... Mm-hmm. Uh, a Korean film festival in DC that has shifted around when it is, but they usually play whatever new films of his there are. I also, I believe Grasshopper put out um, right now, wrong mm, then. That's right, and, they um, did. Maybe yourself and yours also. I could be wrong on that. I don't one. think oh, yourself well. and yours. I don't believe ever got any distribution that, what I think, yes. in the U.S. But yeah, all of his movies that I've seen, I would heartily recommend. Especially right now, wrong then. Yeah, right now, wrong then is one that I like to revisit because I think that was the first of his that I saw, and I was just like uh, baffled. Yeah, it's a bit like you're thrown in the deep end on that mm-hmm. one, but um, yeah. But I've gotten a little more on board with him. I mean, grass, clear camera, on the beach at night alone. All the movies I really like. What's up, Kobe? Oh, that's that that's not... that's on my end. Uh-oh. Oh, it's not Kobe. Kobe is outside right now. That's a dog I'm dog-sitting, who I don't feel comfortable naming on this podcast, because ah, he does okay. not belong to me. Dog's the That's dog. fair. Unnamed dog. Alright. Next, we've got a movie called... Uh, I feel like this is not going to remain the English language title if it gets distribution in English-speaking places. It is currently called Delete History. Sounds like what I do every night. Am I right? Am I right, fellas? Yeah, I mean, it is. That is, I guess, uh, it's about. The tone like, of uh, the movie? <laughs> it's about, like, a. Uh, um, uh, three people who uh, are listed in this plot summary as social media victims, uh, and they declare war on the tech giants. Uh, this is directed by Benoit Delapine and Gustave Carverne, who are I believe French kind of uh, comedic filmmakers. Uh, they've made a movie with uh, Gerard Depardieu. And yeah, like there's a poster for this that has like the, the three lead characters, I guess, like holding their smartphones in front of their faces uh, mm. 
Nothing about this really says, uh, competition to me, but who knows? As I said about Sundance documentaries, movies about social media always seem jerk-offy and boring to me. But I don't know, maybe this is good. The French seem like the ones who will nail it, right? Oh, yeah. Bang me, Jack. The French are never jerk-offy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, right. Amelia, you love that. Uh, the the, um, uh, never mind. The <laughs> I, I accept my full defeat on that one. That was a total failure on my part to say anything of value. Do you okay. want to try again? <laughs> no. Um, Were you trying to come up with the essayas? Yes. Okay. Ha ha ha. Facebook spreading misinformation. Right. Ebooks, etc. Just a bunch of yes. a bunch of that for two hours or however long this movie is. Right. It does say that it involves an all-powerful data cloud, and I do like movies about clouds, so. I mean, yeah, it's yeah, and you know, it, maybe it'll just be like a bunch of people with French accents saying like tweets a bunch, like, and that's always fun when they like say like the, the name of a tech thing but with their accent. Mm-hmm. Jesus, this is that's enough to sustain a feature, right? <laughs> maybe it's just going to be the French version of uh, Jimmy Kimmel's mean tweets. Hey, <laughs> sure. Gerard Depardieu. He he show licensed up. it out for. Gerard Depardieu's going to show up and they're like. At Le Pussy Destroyer 69 says... My goodness. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you call me Shreky, sir. (laughs) Coming after me? (laughs) Are you claiming that as your Twitter handle? (laughs) (laughs) No, but... My 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 greatest Letterboxd review ever, I called Gerard Depardieu our Shrekiest living actor. I thought we litigated this last week that it was your mummy one. <laughs> no, that wasn't my greatest review. That was the one I just had to remember for the longest. I also enjoy how like every other description seems to just be like, the, this is the plot of the movie. The, and this one it feels necessary to say, a witty, apt description of our contemporary world. Which is like, this. yes, this move, the thing about this movie is that it's funny and that it's also correct. Interesting, interesting things to put out there right in front of it. Expectations set for high. Yes. Uh, the next movie, which I'm actually quite curious about, is called uh, The Intruder, directed by Natalia Meta, a Argentinian filmmaker. Uh, this is her second feature, and I'd like to just read the letterbox summary of her first, because I find it somewhat baffling. Uh, Buenos Aires in the 1980s. Detective Chavez, a family man and a tough cop, once again must solve a mysterious crime. To reveal the identity of the murderer, Chavez must clarify the enigma waiting in ambush to capture his own heart. Passion surprises even the most astute detective. What will triumph? Law or desire? Hey, I, I believe that's something we all struggle with every day. Yeah, I believe that's streaming somewhere. Uh, that's called Death in Buenos Aires. Uh, yeah, I don't know 
what that is, but uh, I think it's on Netflix, maybe. The, uh, her new movie, uh, The Intruder, uh, sounds like very psychological and interior. Uh, the sort of premise seems to be that the main character is, uh, I believe, an actress or a singer? I think an actress who... Uh, She's having these nightmares, and she comes to believe that the people in these nightmares are trying to take control of her body, which is an interesting premise. Yeah, it sounds scary. Mm -hmm. The way, yeah, the way that, I watched the trailer before this, and the way that that is described seems, it seems more like a, something happens to her, she has like a lot of weird nightmares, and then she's just like questioning whether she's in control of her body, because she seems to be in like a very out there state more than like mm -hmm. some sort of inside out thing where it's like people some kind of starship dave thing where people are trying to control <laughs> her body i didn't think it was I, I wasn't suggesting that it would be like that mm. yeah uh nawel perez biscayart who is in uh 120 bpm the uh, Robin Campillo film is in this, as well as Cecilia Roth, who has worked with Pedro Almodovar. Yeah, I'm curious about this one. Yeah, I'm interested. The Spanish title of it seems to be El Profugo, which is more like The Fugitive, so it's interesting to be in it. So it's like, that title difference is interesting to me. Mm -hmm. But moving on. Yeah, we've got the Italian film by the Dinocenzo twins, uh, Bad Tales. Uh, this one is another second feature. Their first is called Boys Cry, and it's like a coming-of-age crime movie where uh, these two boys kind of get caught up in the mob as they're growing up. Uh, yeah, this new one... Uh, I'm not gathering much from this uh, plot description. I'll just read it out. Uh, a few families living out on a lamb in the suburbs of Rome. Tensions here can explode at any time. Ultimately, it's the children who bring about the collapse. Very, uh... Very slight description. Leaving, yeah. Uh, as much to the imagine... Uh, Leaving as much to the imagination as can be. It's the children who bring about the collapse. Mm-hmm. So I guess they remain interested in uh, stories about children. Yes. Yeah. And I I hope I hope it's literally about like a an ain't I a stinker like infant <laughs> who like. <laughs> Is like always like, like doing stuff and then like pointing at the other family or whatever and then an Italian baby's day out is what you want. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Be fun. Yeah. It'll be uh, a, an adaptation of Super Mario World Two, Yoshi's Island, where it's just baby Mario crying all the time. Uh, Something like that. Yeah. We've got uh, Kelly Reichert's First Cow, which premiered Boom. last year in Telluride, also played the New York Film Festival. Uh, at most uh, major 
European film festivals, uh, movies are eligible to be in competition if they're a world premiere or an international premiere, which means that they will be playing for the first time outside of their country of origination. And so First Cow, despite having played two major festivals, has only played in uh, the United States. This happened, uh, Berlin particularly, will take some major titles from the, uh, the fall circuit if they haven't played, uh, internationally yet. Uh, I know, like, years ago, uh, Magnolia in 2000 was in competition. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is, uh, about, uh, fur trappers in the 19th century, uh, I don't know. I love Kelly yeah. Richter. Yeah, she's reteaming with uh, Lily Gladstone, who everyone oh, was yes. uh, so excited uh, by uh, her performance in Certain Women. Um, so that's exciting. Yeah, uh, Toby John Jones Magaro. is in it. Uh, Aaliyah Shakat. Yeah, John Magaro, I believe, is the lead or one of the two leads. I don't believe we mentioned it in the 2020 preview episode because we were trying to stick to things that hadn't had any sort of premiere yet. Yes. But this is definitely one of my most anticipated. Uh, with the exception of certain women, I watched all of Kelly Reichardt's movies last year mm-hmm. and I'm very much ready to see this one. Yes, it is one of my most anticipated films of the year as well. It will be released in the United States on uh, March 6th, at least in New York and L.A. And then... Uh, other cities to follow because it's a 24 uh so we've got irradiated the uh um rithi pan film uh he's a documentarian from cambodia who makes films about the largely has made films about the uh uh cambodian genocide and the sort of aftermath of that this certainly seems to uh, fall in that second category. Um, it is a film about people who have survived the irradiation of war and is recommended to those who believe they are immune to it. Uh, I don't know. I, I, his, his most famous documentary is uh, The Missing Picture from maybe six or seven years ago. Always appreciated a uh, recommendation as to who the movie is for. Mm-hmm. Which maybe do some soul searching to decide if you think you are immune to the irradiation of war before you decide whether or not to see this movie. Yes, you don't want the movie to be preaching to the choir if you uh, already uh, do not believe you are immune to the irradiation of war. Hmm. I mean, I've, I've never considered myself to be immune to it, but I'll give it a shot either way. <laughs> sure. Uh, we've got a new Philippe Garel movie called The Salt of Tears. Uh, Garel has been around since the, the 60s as part of the uh, French New Wave. Uh, he's one of the few remaining filmmakers from early in that movement, along with Jean-Luc Godard, who may have a movie coming this year. Uh, it's unclear how close his is to completion, but uh, Philippe Garel in some ways I think is a little has, especially later in his career, has is a little similar to Hong Sang-soo. He also 
Uh, I've only seen one of his movies, uh, Lover for a Day, but his movies also are kind of small movies about relationships. He also frequently shoots in black and white. Uh, Lover for a Day, which is his last movie, was about a, a love triangle between a college professor one of his students and the professor's daughter uh, which I thought was quite good uh, his daughter was in that uh, Esther Gurel who's also in uh, Call Me By Your Name and uh, some other movies uh, his son is Louis Gurel who I think might he might narrate Lover for a Day um, he's been in some of his other movies he's directed a movie on his own he's in Little Women yeah, Philippe Garel big uh, French director I quite like Lover for a Day I'll have to check it out mm-hmm. yep. also curious about it like mm-hmm. old dudes making movies you know yeah, yeah I'd like to see more Garel uh, we've got uh, another movie that uh, has premiered already, this time one that we've talked about quite a lot, uh, Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, by Eliza Hittman, uh, the Sundance film. So, you know, I don't know if anyone has anything more to say about this. It's cool that it's getting this spotlight of uh, mm-hmm. playing in competition at a major festival. Definitely on my radar. I'll have to try and watch Beach Rats before I see this one. Does it have yeah. uh, distribution? Yeah, Focus is putting it out in uh, March, I believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we did talk about that last week. Yeah, yeah. interested in seeing it. Hope it's good. Always exciting when Neorealism gets an international platform. Um, American Neorealism. Uh, yeah, March 13th. March 13th, so great. Uh, we've got Days, the new film from uh, Sai Ming Long. He pulled kind of a Soderbergh, I think, and it said he was perhaps retired from uh, feature filmmaking, uh, though he did it after uh, Stray Dogs in 2013. Um, though he, ha- he has made films that could be considered features since then um he's working with his sort of regular actor uh lee kong shang again uh the summary of this is uh kang lives alone in a big house non in a small apartment in town they meet and then part their days flowing on as before sounds like spoilers (laughs) A delight. Yeah. Uh, Sai is actually uh, uh, doing a small tour of the United States in uh, March and April in uh, um, Chicago, New York, and D.C. He'll be presenting a new restoration of his film uh, Goodbye Dragon Inn from 2003. Uh which I've seen and is quite good, uh, as well as a live performance piece to sort of follow that, that uh, him and Lee Kang-sheng premiered in uh, Venice last year. Uh, 
and that's also accompanied by a um, a uh, retrospective of some of his other works, uh, some of which he'll be in attendance for as well. Uh, this is at the uh, Freer and Sackler Galleries. If you're in D.C., I uh, would love to see you there. I will plan on attending many of these films. Good to see. Good to hear. Anyone else excited by Psy? Yes, Me Stray Dogs is on my radar for... Um, I was trying to catch up on like all the big 2010s release I missed by the end of the decade. I unfortunately didn't get to it, but this one has piqued my interest. Yeah. I'll try and watch some of his before yeah, I get a chance to see this one. I've yeah. meant to watch a Goodbye Dragon in for a while. Uh, we've got The Road's Not Taken, perhaps another sort of ethereal, slight, uh, magical realism uh, take. Uh, this one by Sally Potter, uh, starring Javier Bardem, is a guy who... Uh, uh, has a strange day in which he has sort of hallucinations of various uh, parallel lives he could have lived. Uh, Elle Fanning plays his daughter. Um, Sama Hayek and Laura Linney are also in it. This is Sally Potter's return to Berlin after The Party, which was in competition a few years ago that starred uh, Timothy Spall, Bruno Ganz. Yeah, uh, that was pretty good, the party. Yeah, yeah the, I remember seeing the trailer for that and it seemed very striking. Mm -hmm. um, this movie also apparently has Chris Rock in it. Does hey. it? That, uh, according to uh, Letterboxd, Chris Rock is in this movie as well. That's playing awesome. Adam. Interesting. Had not seen that. He's not been uh, advertised as much as being part of it. Maybe he'll just have one scene where he does a stand-up bit. Talks hmm. about movies or something. I don't know. I, I guess I, I, I am unfamiliar with what Chris Rock is up to these days, mostly. Apart from writing Saw movies. Fargo. So in Fargo, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's up to a lot. He's very busy. He's not on the IMDb page, so hmm. who knows? So, yeah. Could Don't be know a where case of a uh, uh, unreported cameo. Could be a case of someone just messing with the database. Seems interesting. It's quite a cast, like Al Fanning, yeah. like Javier Bardem. They're in a lot of good movies. Uh, we've got My Little Sister by Stephanie Schwat and Veronique Raymond, uh, another French duo. Uh, their previous film is called The Little Bedroom, I believe. Yes, uh, I wrote here in the notes that it doesn't sound very good. <laughs> I think there was someone on Letterboxd who uh, the most recent review is that they had watched it because this new film had been announced in uh, Berlin uh, competition and uh, they said they were hoping that this one would be a lot better. <laughs> hey, aren't we always hoping that for every movie? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> always looking for an improvement. 
This yeah, every time I sit down in a movie theater, I'm like, I'm just like, please God, let this be better than the last one. <laughs> yeah, they've also done some TV work. Uh, uh, there is no evil by uh, Muhammad Rasulov. Uh, is a Iranian filmmaker. Uh, he made a movie called The White Meadows, which is quite well regarded. Uh, much like uh, Jafar Panahi, he's had a lot of trouble with the Iranian government. He's uh, currently banned from leaving Iran. I believe the uh, festival director, uh, Carlos Chaturan, said he was hoping that he might be able to be at the festival, but not very. it didn't sound that optimistic. Uh, mm-hmm. This is called... Yeah, this is... Uh, it sounds like it's perhaps uh, four different stories. Uh, yeah. I, I really like Iranian film. Uh, I'll be curious to hear about this. Mm-hmm. Lots of multiple like timelines, like stories, different levels happening in movies this year at Berlin, it seems. Mm-hmm. Um, Siberia is the new Abel Ferrara movie starring Willem Dafoe. Siberia was at one point going to star, as well as Willem Dafoe, uh, Isabel Huppert and Nicolas Cage. Unfortunately, neither of them seemed to be involved in the final version. Uh, that would have been a fun trio. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the description a... says a broken man flees the world and finds himself in a cave. His escape becomes a radical confrontation with his dreams, his memory, and demonic visions, which is like, you know what? Give me give, give me the foe doing that. I'll take all of that he gets. Just him screaming in a cave, doing his thing. Yep. I recently watched for the first time King of New York, which is an older Abel Ferrara movie, but I quite liked it. Even though I understand it, he, he makes movies a little differently now. But uh, yeah, I'm excited for it. I'd like to see it. Last year, he kind of had two movies, right? Because uh, he had a film at Cannes with Defoe that is called... That I don't know what it's called. Yeah, uh, Tommaso, which I think was very autobiographical. Yeah, Tommaso. And then he also had Pasolini, fi- a movie that was made like five years ago, finally come out in America. Yes, I mean, that was it. Which New also York stars so Willem Defoe back in like 2014. What was it? I, I believe it was at New York Film Festival back in like 2014. Yes, I believe that's right. Yeah. And I mean, you said that Tommaso is a little autobiographical, and it's like Pasolini is about a director who is kind of weird and exiled, so. Mm-hmm. Makes a lot of autobiographical scenes stuff, it seems. Gotta find your inspirations anywhere. What's the next movie, Jose? Next movie is All the Dead Ones, directed by uh, Caetano Gotardo and Marco Dutra. Uh, Dutra's previous film uh, with a different co-director, I believe Juliana Rojas, uh, was called Good Manners, uh, was quite well liked. so this one is about uh, two families in Brazil right after the abolition of slavery uh, and how their their fates kind of become entangled. 
not kind of become entangled. I'm, I'm reading that off of the summary. Their fates do become entangled. Uh, um, I will say, not to say too much, but I haven't seen Good Manners, but I've heard that there's a bit of a surprise genre twist in that. I will be curious to see if that follows into this one or if it is more straightforward. Yeah. Always, yeah love, this is... always love to see people's lives get entangled. Mm-hmm. I would say this is uh, a highly anticipated follow-up, though. Good Manners, I believe, played uh, new directors, new films in New York after wherever it premiered and was quite well received there. Uh, we've got uh, two more. We've got Undine, the new Christian Petzold movie. I think we're all uh, excited by Petzold. This is a based on a fairy tale. I believe the Undinian is like a kind of a, a water nymph. And there's uh, various stories that I think maybe are more popular in Germany than they are in the United States. Have you been hearing a lot about Undines, Colin? Uh, no, not yet. Um, I haven't really kept my ear to the floor for German folklore yet um, since I've been here, but um, definitely excited for another Petzolt reuniting yes. with uh, Franz Rogowski and Paula Beer. Yes, both from Transit. Yes, he likes which... to uh, Petzolt likes to work with the same people. I believe yeah. um, Phoenix and Barbara have the same uh, two leads. So yeah, I think Nina Haas, Haas and... had worked with him. Uh, many times before that. Yeah, I'm really excited about this. I did not really care for Phoenix all that much, though I might like to revisit it at some point, but Transit absolutely blew me away. Uh, Franz Rogowski is wonderful in that. He's a great great actor. Great in A Hidden Life. Yes. And there's like two scenes, but he's just Mm -hmm. so magnetic, you can't look away. Yep. Got a good face. Uh-huh. Got a One of the face. best. Best in the best. Yeah. And then finally we've got a movie about an Italian painter directed by Giorgio Di Ritti, Like a guy who uh, paints animals. Maybe good that'll be paint. good. Yeah. Yep. Good subjects. Um, yeah. Gotta stand some animals. Mm-hmm. So we've got the encounters section, which is their new competitive section uh, that they've introduced. My impression is that perhaps Carlos Chatrian, who is their new uh, head programmer, uh, was previously of the Locarno Film Festival, and this seems like it may be to kind of bring in a little bit of that flavor to the Berlinale. Uh, my most anticipated film out of this section is Isabella, which I may have briefly mentioned on our 2020 preview, directed by uh, Matias Pinheiro, who mm. is one of my favorite directors. He's an Argentinian director. He makes these kind of riffs on Shakespeare. His last movie was called uh, Hermia and Helena, which stars Augustina Munoz, 
who I really like in that. Uh, he's worked with uh, some of the actresses from Piel de Lava, who are the four actresses who... The ensemble of actresses who starred in La Flor, which is uh, a phenomenal movie from last year, or uh, the release in the U.S. last year from me the year before, directed by Mariano Guinness. Uh, I'd love to find an excuse to talk about that more someday. I think Guinness is uh, one of our absolute best living directors, but this is not a Guinness movie. This is a Matthias Pinheiro movie. Uh, very excited about that. Uh, we've got Malmkrog, uh, the Christy Puyu movie. Uh, I just watched, uh, Sierra Nevada over the weekend, which is Puyu's last movie, and I thought that, again, was absolutely phenomenal. It's, uh, set really over just one afternoon, uh, in which a family is uh, commemorating, uh, their, uh, patriarch who, I don't know if it's, like, a, an anniversary of his death or if he died recently, uh, but it really, like, it's not quite set in real time, but it's pretty close, uh, I think the lead of that, Mimi Brunescu, is really excellent, uh, yeah, I don't know as much about this new movie, Momkrog. Uh, I think there might be some trailers or some clips out there. Uh, and there's a rumor that he maybe also has another movie called Manor House that may or may not be the same movie as this. Uh, also in Encounters is Shirley, the Josephine Decker movie, which uh, played at Sundance. Maybe this will help it get some distribution. Uh, we've got uh, Orfea, a movie by Alexander Kluge, who's a fairly venerable uh, German director, and Kavin, who is a uh, Filipino director. They're co-directing that, a younger director. That. Uh, perhaps will be interesting. I think they've maybe made one movie together before, but I've heard that their sensibilities are not necessarily an obvious match. We've got uh, Gunda, a documentary from uh, Viktor Kozakovsky, who directed the uh, film Aquarella about water, which I believe was released in the U.S. last year. Tim Sutton has a new movie. Uh, he had a movie called Dark Knight that was uh, kind of a loose dramatization of the Aurora shooting, theater shooting, um, which got pretty mixed reception. And another movie that got mixed reception called Donnybrook that played yes. at uh, Toronto. Has anyone seen Donnybrook? I have it. I am familiar with it, though. That's okay. um, Jamie Bell, right? Yeah, I believe so. Marvel and then quality, he's got, yeah, and he's got a movie uh, in the works uh, that stars uh, Margaret Qualley and um, Sebastian Stan called The Chain. It's based on a um, Tobias Wolf short story. Uh, Heinz Emigholtz is a German director who does like movies about architecture. It's got a movie called The Last City. That certainly sounds like it would be about architecture. Mm -hmm. 
maybe we can move on to uh, Barely Now Special, which has uh, one high-profile movie that we can all talk about, perhaps except for me, because I have no interest in this, called Onward. Yes, it's the new Pixar movie. Uh, Dan Scanlon, the director who directed um, the underrated Monsters University, uh, directing an original concept. Uh, it's, it's Pixar finally p- doing an original idea again. Uh, I personally, I have uh, found them to be on a on a good streak lately. Uh, going back to, I think, I really loved Coco, uh, Incredibles two. I really like uh, Toy Story four. I think is excellent. Um, uh, it's uh, you know, it's it's a this one seems a little more like joke forward. Uh, than perhaps some of the other ones, and uh, but there's definitely an emotional element element that you can tell. Uh, I I just find Pixar's like um, project of uh, making these uh, very populist movies that are uh, sort of uh, uh, emotionally uh, intelligent uh, very fascinating, and I'm uh, and I'm kind of excited to see if they can keep it up with this one. Uh, yeah, I mean the cast is what keeps me from getting really excited. Sure. Also, as much as the concept seems like a right a place right for imagination, I find the look a little too normal. But I don't know; it might be good. I also agree that Monsters University is good. Yep. Um, y'all want got... y'all want to talk Pinocchio? Yeah, Pinocchio is opening a opening night film. It is Matteo Garoni's uh, adaptation of Pinocchio. What I find bizarre about this adaptation is that the previous adaptation of Pinocchio was directed by Roberto Benigni, and I believe stars Benigni as Pinocchio. This film also stars Roberto Benigni, this time as Geppetto. So uh, I guess he's real attached to the Pinocchio story. He really wants to be a real boy. Mm Mm-hmm. Really uh, likes puppets? Wood? I don't know. Do you have any opinions on Matteo Garoni? Uh, I like... Uh, I like Gamora a lot. I think that's a good movie. That's the only one of his I've watched. Uh, yeah. It's, it seems much different than Pinocchio, because Gamora is like about a like housing complex that involves the mob, and like everybody dies. So it's like mm-hmm. interesting to see him tackle something... That's maybe not that dark, though I guess Pinocchio could be that dark if you yeah, wanted to. Yeah, well, so I've seen Tale of Tales, which is his kind of uh, fairy tale anthology film, and that is fairly dark. Uh, not Perhaps not as dark as Gamora, which I haven't seen. Uh, I think that's pretty good. I know people like Dogman. I have been meaning to watch Dogman. Watch I that. saw a reality last year mm. and uh, was finding it like pretty okay, like pretty interesting as it went on. And then I think at one point I like had to take a break and I was looking at sort of information about the movie and found that the lead was uh, discovered in pr- uh, a prison acting workshop. Uh, and Grony had to like pull some strings to get him out of prison for these certain times so they could shoot with him. Uh, and he's in prison for murder, so I had some wow. conflict with like how I could sort of grapple with that as like a thing that he just decided to do because the guy is not that compelling of an actor. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if it was worth it to 
pull him out, but yeah. that's my only Garon Garoni take. We've got the Hillary documentary. She's gonna be in Berlin so she can let the Germans know how terrible Bernie Sanders is. We've got a movie directed by Johan Johansson, the departed yes. uh, composer who composed the scores for uh, several Denny Villeneuve's early movies. Yeah, um, Mandy as well, the Nick Cage movie. I believe Tilda Swinton nominate, uh, narrates it. It's a documentary. Mm, okay. Uh, I heard that his visuals uh, in the documentary are as striking as his music was. Mm -hmm. Seems like one to watch out for. And then, uh, as I mentioned, there's another piece of Dow playing in the uh, special section. Um uh, My Salinger Year is the opening film of the festival, playing out of competition. It's directed by Philippe Falardeau, who is a uh, French-Canadian director. I saw one of his last movies called Monsieur Lazare. It's been a while, but I don't remember thinking it was all that good. Uh, this new movie stars Sigourney Weaver and mm. Margaret Qualley. Yeah. yeah, two good actresses. Mm -hmm. Seems like an, in, over the place. an interesting concept. It's like about a person starting off at a book publishing agency whose job is to answer all of J.D. Salinger's fan mail. Yeah. Mm. Also got a Colm Fiore in the mix there. Sure. Always exciting. Always gotta love some Colm. Uh, a Zsa Zsa documentary called uh, Swimming Out Till the Seas Turns Blue. I think he's done some sort of hybrid documentary fiction work before, so this may be kind of in that vein as well. Uh, of course, Zsa is uh, one of our uh, finest directors, many would say. Uh, director of Platform, Mountains May Depart. Ash's Purest White, which was in competition at Cannes a few years ago. A touch of Sin. Yes, Touch of Sin. That's probably my favorite that I've seen. Uh, yeah, moving on to Panorama. Uh, the Assistant is playing in Panorama, even though it will have... Uh, I guess it's already been released in uh, part of Germany, but well, not in Berlin. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, you Germans out there could get a, a preview of one of the Berlin titles. <laughs> uh, Bloody Nose, Empty Pockets is something that we never got around to talking about uh, from Sundance. It's a documentary by Bill Ross IV and Turner Ross about uh, the last night of a bar on the edge of Las Vegas that I heard was quite good. There's a new movie from uh, Karim Ainuz, the director of uh, The Invisible Life from last year, which was uh, Brazil's Oscar submission. I saw that movie. That was a. Yeah. It was nominated for an Indie Spirits movie. Ah, okay. Uh, it was. Yeah, it was good. Um, uh, real uh, sort of big sprawling story of like an entire life. Uh, as you might imagine from that title um and some uh yeah some some interesting uh character work and 
some good period action in that movie. They've got their big uh, homage section where they're giving uh, Dame Helen Mirren the honorary Golden mm-hmm. Bear Award and showing a bunch of her movies. The Good Liar, I think, is being shown. <laughs> her sure. recent one. Sure. Uh, uh, the Cook, the Thief, the Wife, and Her Lover. Yep, that's a, that's a good movie. The um, Long Good Friday. In the forum section, they're showing uh, Kazik Radwanski's Anne at 13,000 Feet, which uh, premiered in Toronto last year, and I saw. I think that is quite good. Uh, it's about... It's very episodic. It's about a woman who works at a daycare, played by uh, Dara Campbell, who gives a really excellent performance, and it's just like different little bits of her life over, I don't know, maybe several months. Um, there's a movie, a uh, James Benning movie, who's a experimental filmmaker who works in uh, generally feature-length film, which is interesting for an experimental filmmaker. Uh, I believe his last movie was called L. Cohen, about uh, Leonard Cohen. This one is called Maggie's Farm, so I'd imagine it might have something to do with uh, Bob Dylan. There's uh, two movies, I think maybe a documentary and a fiction film by Radu Jude, the Romanian filmmaker. Um, And then uh, another movie from Toronto is uh, The 20th Century by Matthew Rankin, which played in the uh midnight section uh i heard good things but was not able to catch it i kind of avoided midnight this year yeah uh we could talk a little bit about the uh ooh in uh, the short section there's a new short by guy madden evan johnson and galen johnson i'll be curious to hear about that uh also a short by uh blake williams the canadian uh critic and filmmaker who had a feature that was a a 3d film called uh prototype a few years ago that i would have liked to have seen uh but maybe we could all turn our eyes to the series section briefly the eddie the eddie that's gonna be the most anticipated for me out of that section probably that's a uh a netflix yes Mm -hmm. Netflix show yeah that's uh damien chazelle's show uh and is andre holland in that am i remembering yes andre holland is the lead um Joanna Kulik from uh, Cold War mm. is also in it. Uh-huh. We've got a uh, Australian series with Kate Blanchett called Stateless that focuses on immigration. There's uh, a BBC drama uh, that I, called Trigonometry that uh, Athena Rachel Sangari directed some episodes of. I think about half of. And then... Uh, I would say maybe my most anticipated in this section is uh, Jason Siegel's Dispatches from Elsewhere. Uh, 
This is a show that I think is premiering pretty soon on AMC that mm-hmm. Jason Siegel is the creator of. He stars in it along with Sally Field, uh, Richard E. Grant, and Andre 3000. Yeah, I like Jason Siegel. He hasn't really uh, written anything in a while. He's had to kind of a turn towards drama with his last two acting appearances being in uh, the end of the tour uh, almost I guess five years ago at this point and uh, come Sunday I believe those are his last two performances well, there's that Netflix movie that was in there I think The Discovery yeah, oh yeah The Discovery yes so two Netflix movies yeah, come, come Sunday was also a Netflix movie um yeah, always interesting when Jason Siegel decides to do something. Uh, I think he's been like writing books also. Um, yeah, so tons he's of books. yeah he's he's been well, keeping busy. Okay, uh, yeah, that was shot in Philadelphia, and I briefly went to college in Philadelphia. And last summer was the summer of people running into Jason Siegel on the streets of Philadelphia. Uh, I think we're going to move on to, uh, we've got a couple of predictions to make. The first is, will Cullen have accommodations in Berlin by the time we record next week? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and predict no on that. I'm also going to say no. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Cullen, I believe in you. I think you'll have something. Okay. uh... Prove us wrong, Cullen. Yeah. Um... (laughs) So this, I believe, the Berlin uh, schedule comes out on the eleventh, mm-hmm. uh, which is sort of what I've been waiting for to decide because uh, of the days. So we'll see. <laughs> um, well, we, that that probably will be out by the time we are recording next week. Okay. Uh, and yeah, then we are all gonna pr- uh, make our prediction for uh, what wins the Golden Bear. Can you name some recent Golden Bear winners just to get us in the right? frame of mind synonyms. synonyms one last year we've got touch me not from 2018 on body and soul from 2017 fire at sea from 2016 uh taxi the jafar panahi movie uh 2015 black hole thin ice uh from 2014 uh some you might know more a separation the ashgar farhadi film was 2011 in two thousand two, Spirited Away, tied with uh, Paul Greengrass's Bloody Sunday. Uh, Nineteen ninety nine and two thousand had uh, back to back American films winning in The Thin Red Line and Magnolia. But yeah, I have a prediction to make for the winner of the Golden Bear. Uh-huh. Never, rarely, sometimes, always. Hey <laughs> Oh wow. <laughs> It's been a while since an American film has won, it looks like, so that's a bold prediction. Yeah. I'm going to stick with it till it wins something. <laughs> Win our hearts. I am going to go with... I think Undine will win. I think mm-hmm. that... Uh... I think my boy Kenneth Lonergan will be here for uh, Christian Petzold. Yeah, Christian Petzold's movies are not entirely dissimilar from Steven Soderbergh's Iron Starring 
uh, Kafka. So yeah, maybe something you'll be into. I'm going with Undine. Uh, Christian Petzold, he gets the big prize finally. I believe Transit and Phoenix both won something. Transit maybe won actor, director. I think that's right. I think it won actor. Andy, prediction? Uh, I will go with uh, There Is No Evil. I've forgotten what that is. Yeah, that's the one that's the four stories. Oh, uh, yeah. The Thieves the, of Moral uh, Strength and the Death Penalty, uh, which seems uh, serious and grim, which I think many of these movies that have won uh, That's a good are. pick. I am going to go with Days, the Siaming Wing. Okay. So we're spread across pretty wide. Yes, no no arguments this time over we've all made clear choices so no one needs to ridicule anyone for taking the cowardly way. Catch Thank me goodness. next week when I change it to that cell phone movie. <laughs> <laughs> Transit actually did not win anything uh, in its year. And Phoenix, Phoenix may not have actually played a did it not play a film festival? It could have not. Maybe. Who's to say? Hey, first time for everything. Yeah. Maybe Petzl will get it. <laughs> the movie is set in Berlin, so maybe there'll be some hometown cooking. Sure. Maybe, yeah. yeah maybe Jeremy kid. Irons will be like, we should give it to the hometown kid. Yeah. That seems like a Jeremy Irons priority. But Sounds what like... if it's actually like one of those you know those pop songs that have like a line about a place that in every different place they'll like change it like I believe in Lady Gaga's You and I there's a line about a cold Nebraska night that if you that if you are in New York you hear it as a cold New York night but that movie is just set in whichever film festival it's playing mm-hmm. what if it's that it's like, sort of thing that seems like that would be a lot of work for very little payoff um, but yeah Phoenix actually premiered at Toronto. Hey. A fine film festival. Yes. Get us place at any. And with that. All right. And with that, I think we will wrap up. Wait, Jesse, you got to bring back your catchphrase from last week. (laughs) (laughs) We will release our audience. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Next week, we're (laughs) now we will go ahead and release our audience. Bye. 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 Have a good one, everybody.